Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Just to tell you about what is going to be going on uh, with me in the next few, in the next two weeks, amen. I'd like us to read Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Can we all read it together? Let's go. One, two. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear. By God's grace, on Wednesday, I will be traveling uh, to East Africa. Amen. So I'll spend two weeks in Rwanda, Congo, and Burundi. So I'll be speaking in those three countries, you know, uh, messages. Amen. So at least I'd like you to please join me in your prayer. Uh, but I read that scripture also to encourage you. Don't say because the pastor is not around, we can just stay home, all right? You have obeyed when I'm there. I want you to do much more when I'm not there, all right? That's how to prove that you're not coming here to worship Pastor GD, right? You're coming here to worship God. And trust me, I think more things will happen when I'm not there, greater things, so that God will show that he is the one in charge, Amen. So if you're a worker, don't say, you know, we're catching a break, break because pastor is not there. You know, I'm going to sleep in, you know, because I'm not going to come to fresh anointing prayer because there's nobody to worry me. No, God is there always watching. I hope you know that. He's, he's like this, always watching. He watches all your moves. Amen. So I want you to do it much more. I want you to say much more. Say much more. Amen. All right, that, now that we got that out of the way, I'm going to be getting a report of what is going on. Today, I'm going to speak briefly. Uh, my message is not going to be long. I'm going to speak briefly on a message I call the courage to start. I want you to say the courage to start. Hallelujah, the courage to start. I believe it's a specific message to some specific people here. All right. I mean, it's a good message for all of us, but I believe God gave me this message because some people here, they need to hear this message. And I'm going to take us back to the scripture we read and give you a little bit of background. Many of us are familiar with Joshua, right? The man that succeeded Moses. So Moses was such a great man. There was nobody like Moses in <laughs> <clears throat> in the Israel, as at the time of Moses, there was no one. I mean, there, clearly no one, right? I mean, children of Israel, I mean, they were doing their thing. All of a sudden, Moses shows up, right? He has a rod, threw the rod, the rod you know, just put the rod on the ground, turn to a snake, swallow snake. I mean, confronted Pharaoh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> confronted Pharaoh, and they were rescued, they were released. You remember those plagues that Moses brought down? 
And uh, Moses took them out of uh, Egypt. The Red Sea came. Moses stretched his rod. The Red Sea parted. They went through the Red Sea. I mean, it was just on. I mean, it's just like as soon as you turn on to say, ah, another miracle, another thing. I mean, just like, wow. I mean, after a while, they really believed that Moses was not a human being. So obviously, the story went on and on, and uh, Moses will not make it to the promised land. That's a different story. Moses did something that God didn't like, and God said, Moses, you are not going to make it to the promised land. And Moses went to the mountain, and God took him. Now, God took him, and they never found the body of Moses. The reason why they never found the body of Moses is they were going to, turn, they were going to just idolize the body of Moses, right? God knew that. And he said, you know what? You're not going to see Moses again. And Moses disappeared. They waited and waited, and eventually they realized we're not going to see Moses again. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me just get water. I think I'm getting uh, a little nervous. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So that's, so people grieved Moses. I mean, and they cried. I mean, you just have to know that they, they were heartbroken. I mean, they couldn't just imagine. At this time now, Moses has been leading them for almost 40 years. Like, you know, just almost 40 years. To most of them, that's the only person they've known. And he's the greatest leader. He's the wonderful person. He could do so many things. He had... He heard from God. I mean, they knew this one. So Moses was not going to be there, and they were just about to enter into the promised land. Because, you know, I mean, so it was, must have been very painful. I mean, they, they just cried. They grieved. They cried. They cried. Now, the Lord showed them that it was going to be Joshua that was going to lead them. And I'm going to take you to Deuteronomy chapter 34. Uh, I'll read verse 8 and 9, which is just the last chapter in Deuteronomy. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Just imagine for 30 days, they declare a 30-day holiday, you know, mourning for 30 days. That's a whole month, doing nothing, just mourning for Moses. Now, Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So Israel listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded him. All right? They listened to Joshua, but you know what? Not like Moses. I mean, you are not Moses. I mean, I, I don't care. Yeah, you're a nice guy. You are, a, you know, sharp, you know, wonderful, charismatic. But Joshua, you are not Moses. And Joshua knew, I am not Moses. You know, you could go to chapter 10, I mean, um, verse 10. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders. The Lord sent him to, to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all the officials, to the whole land, for no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of Israel. That's just what I've said. I mean, so Moses was a great. Just imagine how small Joshua felt, right? Just imagine how irrelevant he felt, right? Just imagine how so little, even though Moses laid his hands, Moses anointed him, people were saying, Joshua, okay, let's go. Joshua, let's go. But Joshua would not move. Joshua was just overwhelmed. I mean, and I can feel for Joshua, right? He was overwhelmed. He didn't even have the anointing of Moses. 
He didn't have the gravitas of Moses. He didn't have the stage presence of Moses. After all, we knew you all along as Moses' PA. How can Moses' PA just all of a sudden, I mean, God said it. You are the one. Joshua, let's go. And Joshua wouldn't move. He was overwhelmed. So if you go to Joshua chapter 1 now, which is the next chapter, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, why did the Lord have to remind him Moses is dead? Because, it, you know, I, maybe he was praying that Moses should come back. Maybe he was just saying, God, I can't believe it. I can't do this. I can't. And God reminded him, look, man, Moses ain't coming back. Let me tell you, Moses is dead, and he's dead. Moses is gone, and Moses is not coming back. All right? Now, therefore, arise. See, when the Lord uses the word arise, it's because people are down. When the Lord tells people, arise, it's because in one day they are crouching. You know, they've lost courage. They are disappointed. They are overwhelmed. And the Lord said, arise. Sometimes the Lord uses the word arise for people who are backsliding, who are sleeping. And that's why the Bible says, arise, O sleeper. So when the Lord you know, uses the word arise, it's because people adore. That's what Isaiah said, arise and shine. So the Lord told Joshua here, and he said, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And so the Lord began to encourage him, look, go, do it. I am, you know, you, are, you know just arise. And let's jump a little bit so I don't read everything. I mean, because of time, uh, I believe in verse 5 now. We go to verse 5. He said, no man shall be able to stand. So the Lord began to encourage him. The Lord began to build him up. The Lord began to just, you know, just strengthen him, right? The Lord began to remind him his promises. The Lord began to reassure him in verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you. All the days of your life. In fact, the Lord even said, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. There's not going to be any different. Now, in fact, it was never Moses. It was me. Moses did all those things he did because I was with him. And as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And verse 6 is very powerful. Be strong and of good courage. That's all I need from you. I just need you to be able to hold up. I don't need you looking down. I don't need you wobbling. I don't need you dealing, darling. I don't need you just going back and forth. I need you to stand and be strong and be courageous. For these people, for to these people, you shall divide an inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. And the Bible, you know, let's go to verse 7 says, only be strong. And that's what I'm requiring from you. I'm just requiring you to only be strong and be courageous that you may observe to do according to all the Lord which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Let's go to verse, uh, and I will jump a little bit. Let me quickly go to uh, verse 9. 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, most times when we look at the word obedience, disobedience, when we hear the word disobedience, typically we associate that with sin. Right? Isn't that true? When we say someone disobeyed God. Can you show my picture? All right? Show my picture. All right? Thank you. When we hear disobedience, what do we think? Sin, evil, wickedness, you know, malice, you know, somebody, adultery, somebody did what they're not supposed to do. That's, that's what our mind associates that with. When we hear the word obedience, we hear the word no sin, you know, good, kind, nice, all those things. Usually, our mind plays what is called word association, right? So when we hear the word somebody is disobedient. But you know, disobedience is really not always about sin and no sin. In fact, that is a surface level when it comes to this. That is basic, rather, I would say. That is the basic. Disobedience and obedience is visually, there's another step to that. It's about whether you will fulfill God's purpose for your life. All right? When, when it comes to obedience, it is usually whether Apostle Paul was, I think he was talking to Agrippa in Acts chapter 20, and he said, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. All right? I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So the issue of obedience and disobedience has to do with whether you will fulfill God's purpose for your life. And I want you to see it more than that. You know, most, most of us, once we have really given our life to Jesus Christ and we, are gen, we have genuinely done it, the issue of sin is no longer, we know sin, right? We know what we're not supposed to do. But really, what we are dealing with is, is much bigger than that. It is, are you going to be obedient to God's purpose for your life? Hallelujah. And embracing God's purpose for your life, and I want you to tell you why this is important. Why, you know, embracing God's purpose for your life through obedience has a huge implication on you and to so many people around you. It has a very huge implication. And that's why you must take it seriously. Now, this kind of obedience that is fulfilling God's purpose for your life always involves taking courageous steps. All right? And that's why my message today is the courage to start. It involves taking courageous steps. What does courage mean? Courage is the ability to start something even when you are frightened. All right? It's the ability to do something that frightens you. All right? Uh, in the Bible talks about, in Genesis, the Bible talks about Noah. Actually, it was in uh, Hebrews, sorry. Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible talked about, you know, it's a chronicle of, the, of men of faith. Patriarchs of faith, we like to call them. And when the Bible described Noah, the Bible described Noah as a man that moved by faith. In fact, this is the way the Bible described it. If you look at the King James Version, he said, by faith, 
Noah moved with fear. That's courage. Courage is moving in spite of fear. Courage is forging ahead even when you're scared. Do something that frightens you, doing something. Courage is also a mental or moral strength. It is not always about physical strength. You know, when we talk about courageous men, you know, usually what is depicted is, I mean, it's, you know, people in the military, you know, costume, gadget, you know, you know, some very, very torn and strong guy who is in the marine, and we say these are men of courage. You know, but that's not really courage. There can be a very frail woman, you know, who is demonstrating courage because courage is a function of mental and moral strength. To venture, persevere, withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. To continue to move on even when you are scared. That is why having courage is essential to doing the will of God. Hallelujah. So sometimes the miracle is starting. The great miracle is I have the courage to start. I want you to say I have the courage to start. What has God been calling you to start? What has God been calling that scares you? That just frightens you? That looks like this is going to just mess things up. Most of us never fulfill God's purpose because we are comfortable with our life the way we know it. We're not willing to stretch. We're not willing to mess things up. We're not willing to risk. We're not willing to, do, to get out of our comfort zone. We have not developed courage to start. And I know the enemy does a lot of work. <laughs> to prevent us from taking those courageous steps. In fact, I believe that the enemy does over time preventing us from starting. If you look at things you've started in your life, they always look more difficult before you start, right? Some of you now, if you're, if you're a Christian, let me just start from something basic. You're a born-again Christian, you're working with the Lord, I bet you, it looked more difficult before you became a born-again Christian than after, right? Some of us didn't become born-again for a while because you are just afraid. Oh, this life of a Christian is a terrible, I mean, it's, a very, it's not a happy life. You say, oh, 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 oh. But now that you're a Christian, you're like, wow. Wait, what, is, what, was, what scared me about becoming a born-again Christian? That's because the devil does a lot of overtime preventing us from starting. If you're serving God, if you're a worker now, some of you delayed because you just say, ah, how am I going to have time? How am I going to be able to do this? People who are doing it will realize, you know what? There is a joy in it. Because there is always a joy in your purpose that the enemy wants to stop you. Even he nearly stopped Jesus from going to the cross. Right? He nearly stopped him. He nearly robbed him. Jesus himself got overwhelmed 
when it was close to just going into it. It is always, whether you are someone that gives now, people who don't give thought, oh my God, I mean, how is it going to be? I mean, giving time, oh no, that's not, this is, it's going to mess me up. It's going to destroy my finances. I'm not going to be able to meet my needs anymore. But if you ask people who have been doing it for a while, they will tell you it's the best thing we've ever done. There's always that. Look, look at what you have done. Finishing school. Every achievement you've done. Every big thing. Whether you started a business and it's doing well. You were more scared before you started, right? More scared. Getting married. You're going to the altar. You're like, oh, God, I just hope this is right. I hope this is it. I hope this is it. I hope this is it. You know, many good things that you have in your life the enemy will do some overtime, right, to prevent you from taking courageous steps. And I wonder how many dreams never got realized because the person just never got the courage to start. The courage to start. You know Newton's first law in the physical. Even, even this, this, this principle is very true in the physical. All right? Newton's first law says every object continuing in a state of rest or uniform motion unless there's a compelling force, right? To change that state. Unless they are compelled to change. Nothing changes unless they were compelled to change. So an object, this object will always stay here unless there's a force that pushes it. Every object has a force in them called inertial force. It's called a resisting force. Resistant force is what prevents them from moving. This is, physic, this is natural law I'm talking about now. This is natural law that God put there. I mean, that, that, you know, so people who do this are able to calculate what force does it take either to move an object or to stop an object that was already moving. Even an object was already moving, it will continue to move unless there's a force that stops it. Hallelujah. You see, courage is what, in the spiritual, courage is what helps us to overcome those inertia those internal resistance to the move of God, to the prompting of God, to the voice of God, to the calling of God over your life. And that's why it's important to have the courage to start. Praise the mighty name of Jesus. How do you develop the courage to start? How do I develop the courage? First of all, you must recognize what is at stake. And if people don't have the courage because they don't have an appreciation of what is at stake. You know, let's look at Jesus. The Bible later said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, right? Despising the shame. That's describing Jesus. Now, but if you go back to how it actually happened, Jesus was overwhelmed. He didn't want to stop, all right? Didn't want to start. When he, when he came to it, he went to the Father. He said, Father, let this crop, let it cup rather, pass over me. Now, he said, not my will, 
for years. We don't know. We just think that's how Jesus prayed. No, you can, that prayer is one second. Is how many seconds? But he prayed for an hour. So that's just a summary of his prayer. <laughs> and so he spent the first 55 minutes just saying, God, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this. I don't want this. Father, I bind this. I come against this. Father, Lord, I just resist it. I move it away. I roll it away. Everything that is just all these thoughts that, no, 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 Lord, I don't want it. At the end of it, then he just realized I have no choice. I have to do this. And he said, okay, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. You know, the Lord gave me a powerful revelation from that, that true prayer doesn't always have to start in the will of God. But true prayer will always end in the will of God. So if you don't know what to pray, just pray. If you pray long enough, you're going to end up in the will of God. Praise the name of Jesus. Thank God Jesus didn't stop his prayer at 45 minutes. But he stayed until the end. Hallelujah. So don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Even if you don't know what I'm, just pray. Pray in understanding, pray in the spirit. If you pray sincerely and genuinely, you're going to end up in the will of God. Hallelujah. But the Bible described Jesus that what changed that for him was because he recognized what was at stake. There was a joy set. The salvation of the whole world is at stake. You know, deliverance of people is at stake, right? The kingdom of God was at stake. And Jesus said, you know what I'm going to go through? So you must recognize what is at stake. You know, usually when we look at our, our purpose, what God is telling you to do, when we look at it from our own point of view, then we don't have the courage to start. All right? But when we look at it from God's point of view, there's a lot on the line. There's a big deal. There's a big deal to what God is calling you to. Otherwise, God will not be calling you. There's a big deal to what he's putting in your heart. Otherwise, he will not be putting it in your heart. There was a big deal to what God was calling Joshua for. Big deal. The life of a whole nation rested on the courage of Joshua. And look at how God repeated it. Only be courageous. That's just what I'm asking you. Just be courageous. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am just asking you one thing. Be strong and courage and be courageous. And I'm challenging you, you must have the courage to start. Recognize what is at stake. There's a lot at stake to what God is calling you. God calling you into ministry, it's because there's a lot at stake. If God is calling you into business, it's because there's a lot at stake. If God is calling you to start doing something, you know, to start a prayer line, whatever God is calling you to start, to start praying for people, counseling, his prison ministry, it's because... There's a lot at stake. Whatever dream that God has put in your heart, whatever thing that God is stirring your heart to do, it is not just because it's fun. It is because there is a lot at stake. The life of many probably depends on it. Life of many around you probably depends on it. All over the world depends on it. And that is why you must recognize what is at stake. Hallelujah. Number two Courage rests on the assurance of God's presence. You must be assured of God's presence. You must. 
That's how Moses made it. Moses said, Lord, you must go with us, right? Must. If you don't go with me, I am not going. So, so usually it's like a bargaining chip between you and God. God, if I'm going to do it, you're going to be with me, right? And God is going to say yes. You begin to really reassure yourself of God's presence. That God is with me. You know, because if you're not assured of God's presence, you can develop courage. Courage, genuine courage, courage that comes from God rests upon the assurance of God's presence. That God is with me. That God is in this thing. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how daunting it is, I am assured of God's presence. Hallelujah. And courage rests on that. All right, number three, I'm going to go quick. Build a habit of courage. Build a habit of courage by taking small, courageous steps. Many of us, we've not taken small, courageous steps. You know, take small, courageous steps. You know, it's interesting that many of the things we do, you know, many of the examples we give, you know, do this, uh, in life, whether, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, serving God, whether it's, uh, you know, giving, whether it's uh, sacrificing, those are small steps, really. I mean, those are very, very small steps. Very, very small. The big thing is your purpose. All right? The big thing is your purpose. The big, big thing is not whether you show up 9.30 to come and do fresh anointing prayer. People even do that for nothing. People, people show up 7 a.m. to go and do stupid stuff all over the world, right? To go and protest. I mean, people do that. I mean, it's not, but they are tests sometimes. They are small ways to develop habit of discipline, right? It takes bigger discipline to fulfill your purpose than you will ever give to this church, for example. It takes bigger discipline. It takes bigger discipline to do to fulfill God's purpose for your life. But if you don't learn those basic disciplines and you think, oh, I'm just going to whip it off somehow, they are not going to come. And that's why I love this scripture I'm going to share with you. Let's go to Luke chapter 16. Jesus talking here. Jesus talking here in Luke chapter 16, uh, verse 10. He said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Many of the things we ask you to do Honestly, they are little. Little. Very little. You know, just, oh, just coming to church and stuff, it's little. Oh, giving your tithe, it's little. Uh, coming to church on Sunday, it's little. Little. There's much. The much is God's purpose for your life. It's a bigger deal. It's a bigger deal, right? That's much bigger. What God is calling you into ultimately for your life, it's a bigger deal. But, you know, if you can't be faithful in these little things, if you're whining and complaining about these little things, if those are sh- issues you are struggling with, you say, how can God even trust you with big things? How can God now say, oh, you know what, I can trust you with big things? God can't. God can't. Go and ask your CEO. They, they sleep less than you do. <laughs> or any of this. I mean, or, I mean they, because bigger things. Or business owners. They don't do 40 hours. I mean, they don't even count hours. If you know any business, you don't count hours. What's hours? <laughs> you're, you're counting success. You're going to do, you know, 27 hours in a day to make the business work. You do it. That's the big deal. 
All right? So what I'm saying is some of these little things are training ground. They are training ground. They are not the ultimate. They are not the ultimate. So, and I want you to really understand that if you can be trusted with those little things, then God can trust you with big deal. Let's look at what he says. All right, let's continue. And whoever is dishonest in the very little, then God knows you will be dishonest. With much, how will God give you big things? When the little things that is committed to your hand, the little job you're doing now that is paying you, you know, $15 or whatever, I mean, you're, you're, you can't even do it right. You're complaining. You're saying, that's not my job. That's your job. This is what I'm employed to do. I'm only going to do it. Christians shouldn't do that. You should exceed expectation. Exceed expectation. Do it well. First of all, you're not doing it to man. You're doing it to God. And God is going to honor you with more. Look at verse, uh, verse 11. So if you have not been trustworthy with handling worldly wealth, not trustworthy. We can't trust you with, you know, God can't even trust you with $50,000. You're going to do it right. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be honest with it. You're going to, you know, be, you're going to even bless people around you. You're going to give offering. You're going to give, I mean, if God can't trust you with that, so why should he trust you with $50 million? Because he knows you're just going to run away. You're going to go crazy. You're going to do things. And you're going to mess up his name. And people are going to say, isn't that guy used to go to church? Oh, my God. Used to be so prayerful. Now there's a little money in his hand. It's, it's going all crazy. That's important. Isn't that what God is saying? If you not trustworthy in, in handling worldly way, who would trust you with true riches? That's your purpose. That's true riches. Your purpose. How, how is he going to trust you with that? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's deep. Just because you're doing it for somebody else. You know, I've, I've observed people sometimes when something is not their own, they are not committed. When they are not in charge, they are not committed. That's a very wrong spirit. They are not in charge. They're not committed. That's all. Oh, that's not mine. Ah, when it's mine, I'll, I'll do it. But when it's there, they, are, they go. God said, you know what? If you can be trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you the property of your own? So I want to challenge you. Hallelujah. That's how to develop it. Habit by taking small, courageous steps. God is going to be inviting you to, to, do, to take small, courageous steps. Number four and the last. There's an internal force of courage within you as a child of God. As a child of God, we have the ability to generate an inner force. And that force is the Holy Spirit that is inside of us. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now to him that is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. All right? There is a power at work. So, so that's, okay, I'll give you a little physical analogy. An object can't move unless there's an external force that pushes it. That's the Newton's first law, right? But there's another way to cause an object to move. Objects can have an internal force, right? Internal force, propelling force. So that's why somebody came up with internal combustion engine. That's what drives your car, right? Internal combustion engine, that. An object can now internally generate a force. 
So you don't need to push it with external. You don't need to push it, you know, there's an engine that generates that force using your fuel, your gas, with a little bit of spark, you know, and piston and all those things, you know, burn and move and convert it to an internal engine to propel that to move. But God has given us our own internal combustion engine. That is the force of the Holy Spirit. But internal combustion engine need a starter. You know, you need to be ignited. Hallelujah. And we need to just turn that on. Inside of every believer is a force of courage. If we rely on the Holy Spirit, we can do great things for God. It's only most of us, we don't. We forget that he's there. You know, we rely on ourselves, and we are not able to have the courage to stop. I don't know what God has been calling you to. I don't know what has been burning in your heart. You know, I know this is not the only message you need to fulfill it, but this is an important part of it. You must have the courage to stop. Can we rise up and pray? Let's rise up and pray. Let's rise up. Let's pray in the spirit if you can. Just say, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Can we have somebody in the keyboard, please? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Lord, I'm asking in Jesus' name that you release your spirit over everyone here. I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to just pray for an anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying for a release of the Holy Spirit. Father, right now I'm praying. I'm praying for everyone here. I'm praying for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying the Lord, something will turn on the power that is within them. And I'm praying that that power that is within you, the Holy Spirit will turn it on. The power of God will turn it on. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying that that, that will generate that force, the courage to take a step to fulfill their purpose. If you have, if you have, if you have, the, if you have been blessed you know, with the gift of praying in the Spirit, I want you to just pray in the Spirit for a few minutes. I want you to go forward. I just place your hands on your stomach and just pray, just pray in the Spirit. Lord, I command every dream, every purpose to wake up that is dead inside of your people. I command them now. I stir them up. Lord, I stir up the power that is at work in your people. In the mighty name of Jesus. 
Malia Bosso Thank you, Jesus. You're not too old to dream. You're not too young to have courage. You're not too old to step up. God is calling you to walk into your purpose. God is calling you to step up, to be of good courage, to be strong. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. We give you glory. There might be one or two people here that need a bigger courage. That's the courage to offer your life completely to Jesus. Yeah, it's a courage. The enemy has told you, oh, yeah, that's difficult. Working as a believer is difficult. It's not going to... You're being told lies. But you need that courage this morning. If you want to give your life totally to Jesus, I'd like you to wave up your right hand. Just wave your right hand. I'd like to pray for you. I want to let you know it's a great beginning. It's a great beginning. Just wave up your hand if you're there in the congregation. You want to say, Jesus, I'm offering you totally. I'm giving it to you totally. Have it, Lord. You can have it all. You can have it all. You can have every part of me. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your people today. Lord, I ask. The Bible says your word will not come back to you void. But it will accomplish the purpose which for which it was sent. This word will not come back to you void. You will watch over this word to perform it. And there shall be many testimonies that will come out of this. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed.